0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the June and Joe Show.
1: Good morning. Two days post-recall election. Hope everyone is uh, <laughs> recovered, if you, if that's the right word. I don't know what the right word is.
0: I don't think I'm yet recovered. How about you, Joe?
1: <laughs> I am definitely not recovered. Um, you know, you and I talked before, actually, I think we talked on election day, and I was saying I wasn't optimistic, uh, and I was really listening to those that said, you know, be optimistic, and and we don't know what the you know polls are unreliable. We don't know what the turnout's going to be. Most Republicans are voting in person, but um, man, blowout is is an apt word for how that election went down on Tuesday.
0: Right. I mean, I guess it wasn't surprising um, for either of us, but I mean, we always like hope for a miracle and um, hope that it's going to be better than your gut tells you. But I feel like at some point, the recall really seemed like it was going to happen. Like it seemed like the polling even was in our favor. It was neck and neck. It was like 51-48. Like it was so close. But in recent weeks, I have personally felt just like looking around me in my community that the fire in the belly to get the governor recalled had kind of died down. And it just was giving me... Uh, a nervous feeling about the election did you feel the same way?
1: yeah that's that's interesting I don't know if I sensed the fire was gone um, what I what I, I think the fire was still there for a lot of the people that were very mobilized that had been uh, involved in getting signatures for the recall people who signed the recall petition people who were already active and um, Let Them Breathe, and other organizations that are concerned about our civil liberties. Uh, I think those, those groups still seem to be fired up and motivated. What I was honestly surprised by, and it's not necessarily anyone's fault, but I expected through the 30 days of voting that we were not going to be able to escape images of Gavin Newsom in the French laundry, at the French Laundry and Gavin Newsom sending his kids to school and the term King Newsom. Uh, or King Gavin, or one of those, and honestly, I felt like I saw very little attacking Governor Newsom or the thirty billion dollar uh, unemployment scandal in this in this state, where nobody lost their job after thirty billion dollars of, of our tax dollars were wasted going to people incarcerated and in, you know other other countries. Um, I don't I don't remember seeing a, a thing about that in. Any sort of mainstream, whether it's social media or otherwise, uh, electioneering, and I and I do wonder if part of that is the challenge of a special election that's statewide. You have so many candidates; you only have a handful, maybe, of of serious candidates that have a chance, and they've got to spend their money really focused on promoting themselves and not coordinating with the other Republican candidates. And maybe that's why a coherent anti-Gavin message never really came across. I don't know.
0: I think you could be right. I mean, so the rule in running against an incumbent is make it about the incumbent, right? And when you make it about yourself as the challenger, it's not as strong of an argument. And therefore, we should have put forth an anti Gavin message. But when you're running in an election like this, where it's the top vote getter and there's 48 or however many people running to become Newsom's replacement, those candidates are focused on making it about why they're the best choice out of the 48. And there really was no united front against the incumbent when um, that's maybe the direction we should have taken it in.
1: Yeah, and it's. I mean, part of why I said so disheartening. I mean, looking at the latest results, um, you know, statewide, the no vote is at sixty three point eight. Yes vote is thirty six point two. So, you know, I mean, twenty six percent difference, uh, twenty six point difference. And again, I just thought, and 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 this is not a unique thought. I see a lot of commentary on this. If there was ever a time to recall a governor, whether it's Republican or Democrat in this state, uh, it would be now, it would be when, when everyday people, regardless of party are frustrated by their kids, not being allowed to go to school, um, you know, by businesses being arbitrarily shut and then open, shut and then open, uh, by wildfires out of control by one of the highest poverty rates in the country. Uh, just so many things that again, the, the employment, uh, EDD scandal with $30 billion wasted, uh, and again, B with a you know billion with a B—it's a lot of money. Um, you know, this—if if people are paying any attention and say, "Hey, we don't like the direction of the state," it almost seems like you don't need advertising for that. But I guess that gets us to the alternative. People always—it's binary choice, even in a recall election. And I think people assumed. Uh, that if Governor Newsom was recalled, that Larry Elder would be our new governor. And I think the the outcome showed that. I mean, he was at 40 something percent far outpacing any other replacement candidate for, for governor. And I think that drove a lot of Democrats out. Um, and, and frankly, Democrats that maybe would have supported the recall were more concerned about the alternative.
0: I know it's only anecdotal, but I have at least a handful of Democrats that I know who were going to vote yes and vote for a moderate or a more moderate um, or center Republican. Um, And when they realized that the polling showed that if yes passed, um, a very conservative governor could be the winner. They changed their vote to no because you're right, it did, be, did become a binary choice. It wasn't um, just about recalling Gavin Newsom. Ultimately, the Democrats who would have come out and voted yes felt like their choice had to be made differently because of who um, was polling the highest.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I do think almost anybody other than. Gavin Newsom would have been I don't even want to say an improvement and and I say that meaning you know other Democrats that were running I, I think a message needed to be sent, and we are talking about a short period of time, essentially one year in office. It's hard for anyone to do much damage or actually even much good, but it would have been an important message uh you know i was i was I don't know a lot about Larry elder, and I was particularly concerned about the allegations against him from his ex- girlfriend um, I don't necessarily believe them to be true, but they're enough to be at least concerned and give some pause. Uh, but I, I agree. I mean, I think there are a lot of people that said, you know, I'm willing to recall Newsom with, with John Cox, with Kevin Faulkner, with, um, you know, whomever was, was on that ballot, they, they were willing to give it a, give it a chance. Uh, but I think with Larry Elder, um, you know, he's more of a libertarian than he is a Republican. Uh, and and so he has said some things that I think are very consistent with libertarian principles that turned off a lot of people and concerned a lot of people. Uh, and maybe also said some things that were a little bit sexist uh, that were not libertarian or Republican or or Democrat. It, the, they were just, in my view, you know, boneheaded things to say. So uh, I understand that concern by folks. I guess the question is, oh, go ahead.
0: Oh, no, I was just going to say, um, whether you love Larry Elder or you don't, not saying anything about um, him as a candidate or as a human being, I think that his supporters are probably the ones that are the most surprised about the one, about the fact that the recall didn't pass. And I think that Republican voters, um, especially as we go further right on the spectrum, need to realize that it's simple math. The game is played um, by addition, as one of our favorite candidates likes to say, but we can't win by picking the most conservative candidate and thinking that somehow our 24% of the vote in California is going to prevail in a statewide election. It's all about the numbers at the end of the day, and 24% is not going to cut it. And the most conservative candidate isn't even going to get that full 24%.
1: Right. And you're kind of getting to the question I was going to ask you, which is where do we go from here going forward? I mean, I, I am pretty, you know, uh, discouraged um, and, you know, talking about candidates, you know, I've said before, there's no perfect candidate. The only perfect candidate is if you run yourself, although I ran and I wasn't a perfect candidate myself, but you know, if you're looking for someone who shares every principle, every idea, every policy uh, solution that you have, you got to run yourself. I mean, that's the only person as a candidate who's going to match you hundred percent. So there's always a sliding scale of, well, this person I don't agree with everything on, but I support them. And unfortunately, what we're doing as a party is we're trying, we're always as voters picking in them overgeneralizing, of course, but picking the candidate who we match the closest without balancing the, the pragmatism of winning elections. And as I'm starting to say more and more now, if we don't win elections, we are not a political party, we're a social club. And the question is, what do we want to be? Do we want to be a social club that talks about uh, policy ideas and tries to put them out there in the narrative that hopes somebody will adopt? Or do we want to be a political party where we actually have influence and some power? And if we want to be a political party, we've got to figure out how to get over 50% in various elections. And that isn't going to always be, sometimes it will, but it's not going to be backing the candidate that is the purest of whatever test someone wants to apply to them.
0: Right. Um, Chairwoman Patterson says it a lot and I completely agree with her. Your 80% friend is not your 20% enemy. An 80% win for you is better than a hundred percent loss. Right. And I think we need to somehow find a way to get Republican voters and our grassroots activists on board, not with finding the perfect Republican because we're all gonna disagree on what Republican is truly defined by and to find the candidate that can take out the more liberal progressive leftist government that we're seeing in California and across the country. So if perfection is what you seek, you will continue losing. If you're willing to make a compromise for the sake of winning the game, then we have a real conversation here
1: yeah and and I was saying this on election day when you when you and I were talking you know we are a party that is more driven by principle than the other party um and that's not meant to be derogatory towards Democrats I mean Democrats part of why I have so many friends that are Democrats is they are they've got big hearts they're driven by their passion their their desire to help people, and that is they put that passion that desire to help above in my view principle. And sort of looking at the long term, they're looking for that short term. How can I help this person today? Whereas I think generally Republicans are more principled, and they're looking at how do we help people, but how do we do it consistent with our principles? And not only do we how do we help people today, but how do we help them for the long term? It's the old you know, if you want to feed someone for a day, give them a fish. If you want to feed them for a lifetime, teach them to fish. So um, you know, I think that we are principled as a party, and and that is a good thing. But it is also part of why in California we are seeing loss after loss after loss. And like I said in the, in the beginning of this uh, this diatribe, you know it's a sliding scale. Unless you're going to run yourself, you're not going to have that perfect candidate. So you've got to figure out, okay, how do I how do I balance someone who I think can win, not only win, but once they win, be effective in the office? Because again, what's the point of winning if they can't get anything done that we want to see done? So balance those with Someone who's principled and shares you know, 80% of what you believe, but um, we'll have to see where the state goes.
0: Right. Well, and also speaking of balance, and you and I have talked about this before, we have a real problem with um, the grassroots versus establishment conflict within the Republican Party. And I think that what the Democrats do better than us, and really a key reason why they keep winning here in California, is that the grassroots and the establishment at the end of the day work together. They don't work against each other. And I would really like to see us as conservatives, as Republicans, Um, kind of all getting under the same big tent. Um, I've been talking about it for a really long time that we need to get out of our own small tents and be willing to make compromises to get under one big tent if we want to win. And I hope that this shows people that that's what needs to be done and that we can somehow manage to all come together because I have great hopes for 2022.
1: Well, at least one of us does.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What fun would it be if we just agreed on everything, Joe? But
1: yeah, no, I'm usually an, today. You know, I'm usually an optimistic person. You know, okay. give me a week. It's only been not even two days since the election results came out. Uh, okay. Maybe I'll be more optimistic. But, I'll give uh, you a
0: week. <laughs> but we good. are out of time, and hopefully, you'll be more optimistic on our next episode.
1: That's right. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. Take care.
0: All right. Bye, everyone.